Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. All right, well, good morning. Hey, we're excited you're here as uh, we are jumping back into a, a brand new sermon series entitled Jonah, and uh, it's going to be a whale of a good time. All right. Had to start that way. It's been a while since I've been up here preaching. We had our summer series, which was amazing. We had our celebration last week at uh, the YMCA, and uh, I told the first service, like, let's hope I can still preach, and then somebody shouted out, could you ever? I'm thinking, like, wait a second, that's not nice, but I'm excited. We are jumping in again into this series entitled Jonah, which obviously you can infer what we're going to be doing over the next four weeks is we're going to be studying the book and the four chapters of Jonah. And the book of Jonah really is just an incredible study. It's an incredible story about the struggle of obedience. See, if you look at Jonah, although we think, man, he had a book named after him. He was a prophet. He's obviously an incredible man of God. The truth is Jonah struggled with obedience. Jonah was actually known as the reluctant prophet. And we're going to see this throughout the story of, of why he's known as this. See, Jonah was, is not really the poster child of obedience. It's something that he wrestled with. It's something that he, he often hesitated following through what God was calling him to do. And at some points, he was even unwilling as well. And what I love about the story of Jonah is this. I think that many of us, I think we can relate to that. We can relate to the struggle of obedience, right? I mean, let's just be honest. How many of you have ever struggled with obedience? Anybody? Some of you guys aren't raising your hand because you don't want to and you're not going to obey and say, I'm going to raise my hand, right? But I don't know about you, but I heard, I've heard this before, that back in the day when uh, you get your grade cards, they would put comments on the grade cards. And I heard about these comments that sometimes would go out. It says, does not follow instructions well. Did anybody else hear about those before, right? right? Maybe those were on some of my uh, grade cards. Maybe those were some of the comments on my report cards before. And I often tried to hide those before my parents got home. Never worked. I'm just telling you. Sometimes it's hard, like the obedience, it's, it's a real life struggle. And I'm just going to be honest, marriage kind of escalates that. And my wife's not here. She was, no, she was in the first service. She's it was approved, but marriage kind of escalates that thing. There's some times where your spouse may tell you something to do. And uh, there's some times where my wife, Sarah, tells me some things that I should do, knowing full well that it's my best interest to do it, knowing full well she has my best interest, knowing full well that I'm going to do it regardless of what or not, right? But I still just say, you know what? Don't tell me what to do. I don't know, there's just something, when somebody tells me what to do, there's something that rises up. Like it's a little of this, it's almost this rebellion. It's terrible, right? But it's, that, it's the struggle of obedience. And the truth is, obedience is hard. Because obedience is uncomfortable. And this is really what I want us to walk away with this whole series. Right? As we go through this series, I want us to understand that obedience is rarely comfortable, but it's always necessary. With God, obedience is, is rarely comfortable, but it's always necessary. Because understand this. God's blessing doesn't stem from comfort. God's blessing comes from obedience. God blesses us through us walking in faith and walking in step with Him. God oftentimes will work on a bigger problem, but before He works on that bigger problem, He'll work on us. And that's what obedience does. It's, it's allowing us to, to respond to God and walk in step with Him. And if you look at the book of Jonah, it shows this struggle of obedience. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you again to, to download the YouVersion Bible app. 
just an incredible app to put on your phone so you can read your Bible every single day. There's reading plans on there, and there's actually some Jonah reading plans as well. So as we go over this for the next four weeks, I would challenge you to to download a couple of the uh, Jonah reading plans and and follow along and learn more things in depth. And before we jump in, I'll just give you a little bit of background on the book of Jonah. If you've got your Bible open right now, you're thinking like, where's Jonah? It's right in between Obadiah and Micah. So obviously, right? That helped everybody, right? Well, oh, Jonah is it's actually in the Old Testament. And if you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament is broken down to, to really five categories. There's the law, which is the, the first uh, five books of the Bible. It's also referred to as the Pentateuch or the Torah. And in this, you see all the, the laws and things that were revealed to uh, the Jewish people, to the Hebrews, of, and how to live and how to please God. Then you have the historical books, which would be things like uh, Joshua, Esther, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, books like that, that are just where they say they are, right? They're, they're books of history. They're, they're showing the context of the history going on during these time periods. Then you have the poetic and the wisdom writings, which include uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomons. And, and these are just incredible books to read, to, to go through and actually learn some things. You'll walk out with a different insight on life if you go through some of these books. And then you have what's known as the major and the minor prophets. Now, just so you know, the major prophets aren't really more important than the minor prophets. They, they have the same importance. It's just the major prophets, they have a lot more writing. They have a lot more, more text in them. Whereas the minor prophets, they don't have as much uh, text in them. And Jonah is considered one of the minor prophets. In fact, there's only four chapters in the book, so it makes it really nice for the sermon series. We'll have a four-week sermon series where we're going to look at each chapter, uh, one chapter each week. And uh, the book of Jonah really shows how the Lord spoke to Jonah. And again, it takes place, uh, takes place during a time and reign of a guy named Jeroboam. And you guys are like, that's a great help too. But it's really the 8th century before Christ, about 800 years before Jesus. And what's incredible about it is, is the, the truth of, of who God is. Even before Jesus, you see some glimpses of who God truly is. He's a, he's a saving God. And then you also see some incredible lessons that we can learn that, that go over the test of time. So let's just jump in. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So we'll start right there. This whole book, this whole series, it all starts with the first one, which is a call, right? This whole thing starts with a call. It starts with the plan that God has for Jonah. And really, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the call. We're going to talk about the plan that God has, and not just for Jonah, but for each and every one of us. Because the truth is, each and every one of us are called to do something in our lives. Each and every one of us have a calling to do something. Right? A calling is not just reserved for, for pastors, for, for preachers, for, for missionaries, for church staff. Right? It's not just reserved for that. It's, it's for everybody. And God calls us to specific things in our lives. For some of us, we're called to be the greatest parent ever to our child. Right? Some of us were called to be the greatest child ever to our parents. Kids, listen up, right? right? Some of us were called to be great siblings. Some of us were called to be aunts and uncles. We're called to be a great family member. Right? For some of us, our, our calling is our workplace. Right? For some of us, we're, we're called to be an incredible teacher. For some of us, we're called to be an incredible business person. For some of us, we're called to be incredible in the, in the healthcare field, right? in the construction field. For some of us, we're called to, to just do incredible things in the service field. right? We're called to, to be amazing and to serve people in incredible ways. Right? We're called to do something. And again, a, cha- a calling can change over time. There's times where we're called to do something specifically at that certain time. And there's times where we're called to, to extend love and, and maybe mourn with somebody as they're going through something hard. 
There's times that we're called to, to maybe share and joy and, and to celebrate with somebody who, who's got an incredible win in their life, to celebrate with them. Right? There's times where we're called to, to maybe make amends with somebody. There's times where we're called maybe to, to give hope to somebody, speak life into somebody. And then there's times like Jonah, we're called to warn others. We're called to warn somebody about something else. Right? And here's what we need to understand. How we respond to the call makes the difference. How we respond to the, make, to the call makes the difference. The timing makes the difference. Our attitude and how we respond makes a difference. I mean, think about it. How many of you are like the Huffman household where instead of actually getting up and going and talking to somebody in the next room in your family, you just yell, right? So this summer, summer's our interesting time. So the kids are back from school and we try to save some money. So we do a couple of things. Fridays are always my day, my day off. Uh, I spend Fridays just hanging out. When the kids are home for summer, it's a great time. We have family time. The kids and I will do something called uh, Friday fun day with the kids. So we'll do something along those lines. But then Mondays, we save some money and I work from home and do a lot of some of the administrative stuff and have an office at home. So I'll work from home and uh, I leave the kids there and I watch them by, well, I watch them by neglect, right? I just, every once in a while, you just check, make sure they're still breathing. So about every, uh, every 45 minutes, they're a little older now, about every 45 minutes, you just yell. I just yell as loud as I can, Berkeley and Griffin, check in. And like, you look at them and you're thinking like, sometimes they'll respond quickly and it's nice. And I'm like, dude, they're still alive. Perfect. Sometimes they don't respond. So then what do you do? I have to yell again. You could get up, but no, I go a few times. I yell again, and I yell louder, and I open the windows just in case they're outside, right? And I yell a bit louder. And then if, I, if they don't respond again, then I once more will yell, and uh, the tone will be a little bit different. And if I actually have to get up and come find them, there's a little bit of uh, anger in that as well, right? And then if they respond to me with an attitude, it angers me as well, right? Because the response makes a difference. How we respond to the call makes a difference. And the same is true for our spiritual lives as well. And if you look at Jonah, he was called to go to Nineveh and preach against their wicked ways. And if you dig into this, we'll see that over the next several weeks, God was calling Jonah to preach against Nineveh, not to destroy Nineveh, but rather to save Nineveh. And uh, Jonah's response to this wasn't necessarily good. Again, Jonah, this book, it's an incredible prophetic book because it's showing who God truly is. Right? It's showing that God is calling this town, this, this place of Nineveh, he's calling them to repentance. And it's showing that God, God's grace plus repentance equals salvation. Right? And the same is true for us today. God's still the same God. He calls us to repentance and he calls us to salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, who he sent to pay the ultimate penalty for us and was risen again to give us new life. But Jonah, God's calling Jonah to lead Nineveh to God's salvation. But the only problem was Jonah didn't want to have any part of that. Right? See, Nineveh was Israel's greatest enemy. And Jonah had this really internal disgust for Nineveh. In fact, Jonah had, had been a prophet for some time. In fact, he'd even preached against Nineveh already. He had talked about how bad they were. So Jonah's going here and he's saying, you know what, I'm just called to go save them? Like, dude, that no God, that's not what I'm thinking. I don't want to do that, right? See, Jonah was fine with preaching against them. He was fine with preaching the destruction that God could bring upon them. But the purpose of God sending Jonah wasn't for destruction, it was for salvation. And it didn't sit too well with Jonah. See, Jonah wanted to play the judge and the jury, not the messenger of salvation. And I want us to hear this too. Because I don't know if this is registering with anybody else, but sometimes we do this as Christians, don't we? Sometimes we like to sit on our, our high horse and look down and, and cast judgment on others. And listen, there are, there are sins that should anger us. 
There's sins that should, that should internally bother us. Right? There's things that, that, should, that should really make us feel uncomfortable, that we should be against. But rather than pointing to how bad those sins are, rather than pointing to the savior and power of Jesus, I think oftentimes what we do is cast judgment. I mean, think about it. It's easy. It's easy to write off a person who's, who's messed up. It's easy to write off a person who may be addicted to, to porn, right? It may be easy to write off an adulterer. It may be easy to, to write off an addict or, or somebody that's even dealing drugs. It's easy to condemn them. But it's harder to preach and warn them and lead them to the saving power of Jesus, right? And I think just like Jonah, what we do is we respond. We respond like Jonah, and instead of using those, instead of allowing God to, to use us to warn to the saving power, we just run instead. In verse 3, it says this. Yeah, we're only at verse 3, sorry. It says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah clearly didn't want to do what God had called him to do. Right? If you look at a map, Tarshish is actually the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. Right? Here's Jonah. Jonah's actually probably about 500 ways, 500 miles away from Nineveh, right? But instead, what he does is he hops on a boat, and he hops on a boat that's going to go 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Like, Jonah's clearly running from his calling. He's clearly running from the Lord. He didn't want to have a part in anything of God's will for his life. He didn't want to allow God to extend grace to Nineveh, and he didn't want to be the messenger of that grace and of that salvation. I mean, if you look at Jonah, for the Jewish people to him, man, they were the outsiders, right? Jewish people, the, the Jewish people were the, the insiders. They were the, the chosen people, but the people in Nineveh, they were the outsiders. They weren't chosen. So here's Jonah really with this internal mindset, and he's being judgmental. He's being disobedient, and he's running from God, right? He goes down to Joppa, and he buys his ticket out. It's like, God, you want me to do what? You want me to preach about the saving power? Nope. Peace, I'm out. I'm buying this ticket, and I'm going as far as away as I can. So here's this hero who's really self-centered. He's proud. He's egocentric. He's disrespectful. He's really a pouting jerk. But here's the bad news. I think many of us, we could probably relate to Jonah. Many of us, we've been there before. I mean, think about it. How many times have we put our own will above God's? How many times have we questioned God's plan if it isn't exactly like our plan? How many times do we get upset when somebody gets something they didn't deserve? How many times do we get upset when somebody experiences grace when we think they should deserve something else? How many times do we play judgment ourselves? And because of it, we're going the opposite direction of God. Because of it, we're going outside the will of God. Because of it, we're responding to our calling in a way that doesn't honor and we're running from God in our lives. So the truth is, probably at one time or another, we've all gotten on a boat to Tarshish. In fact, maybe you're there today. Maybe you walked in, maybe, maybe you didn't realize it, but all of a sudden you're thinking like, I'm going the wrong direction. I want to challenge you to learn from Jonah. Right? This is where Jonah was. He was running from God. He was trying to live out his own will, not God's. And this is what happens. This is what happens when we run from the Lord. Verse 4. It says, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. The storm hit. Jonah's running, but the storm hit. And here's what's cool. The storm was a moment 
where God was using to try to wake up Jonah. And clearly this is a big storm. The, the crew is in full panic mode, right? They're throwing things overboard. They're freaking out. They're calling it quits. They're thinking like, what is going on? This is mayday, mayday. This bad boy is going down. But what's funny is where Jonah is. Jonah's in full-fledged retreat mode from God. He's in full-fledged like, dude, I'm just done with anything. I'm out. Like, check this out. Continues on. It says, but Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. And the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice so, on us so that we will not perish. Here's this, this boat that's going down and Jonah is in the bottom deck just kicking it, right? He's taking a nap. And it's not because he's full of faith. It's not because he's an incredible man of God. It's because he's off in la-la land and he's desensitized to what's going on. He's desensitized to his surroundings. And this is what disobedience does. Disobedience desensitizes us to our surroundings. So the captain yells at him and says, start praying. Again, Jonah could really care less. And I think the truth is we can relate to this. Right? There's times where our disobedience causes us to be desensitized. There's times where our disobedience causes us to, to get caught in the middle of a storm. We don't even realize we're in the middle of the storm. It's a trap. right? It's a trap. And nor do we care sometimes as well. But then there comes that moment where we wake up and we think, dude, how did I get here? How did I get into this mess? Why did God allow this to happen to me? Right? Why am I in this season of life? Why am I in this storm? And this is where Jonah and the crew were. They were asking why. Verse 7 continues on. It says, Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. And then the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And they're asking, how do we get to this point? Who's the corporate for this storm? Like, who, who's at fault here? And for them, the only thing they, they knew to do was cast lots. Casting lots was something common in that time, much uh, very similar to, to throwing dice. And they would prayerfully cast lots, and they would believe that, that God would answer through it. So this is what they do. They, they threw the lots, and it showed that it was Jonah's fault, but they continued to panic, right? And they asked Jonah, what should we do? Like, they're thinking, like, dude, what should we do? Why did you do this? What's wrong with you, man? Like, dude, you are messed up in the head. Why are you even on this boat? What should we do now? You got us into this. You've got to figure out a way to get us over, right? right? See, Jonah clearly had this warning light over top of his head. And here's the interesting thing. When we see people trapped in, in, in this path of disobedience, when we see people that are, that are desensitized to the things going around them, we can clearly see the light over their head, right? You've been around somebody and thinking like, dude, why is this all going on? They're making dumb choices. Like, well, clearly that's why. Like, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. But here's the thing. When the light's over our head, we rarely see it, right? When the light's over our head, we're thinking like, dude, what, what's, what's happening here? Because we're desensitized to it. And this is where Jonah was. The warning light was over his head. They all saw it. All the ship people, all the, all the crew was looking at him thinking like, dude, you are, you are off your rocker. What do we need to do? Wake up. Wake up. See, Jonah was literally running from God. Meanwhile, the storm was getting worse. So finally, Jonah wakes up and he responds this way in verse 12. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it'll become calm. I know that's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. 
Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Here's Jonah, and he's gone straight crazy. He's giving up, right? He's off his rocker, and he says, throw me over. But here's what's incredible, too. He gave up going after his own plan, and he stepped up and said, it's my fault. He stepped up, and he quit running from God. So he says, throw me overboard. The crew's thinking, like, we can't do that. Like, that's murder. Like, that's not good. But the storm gets worse, so they're like, fine. Walk the plank, man. You're gone, right? So he jumps him over. And listen, when you jump off a boat in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the sea, like, that's not an opportunity to live. That's like, that's straight death trap right there. But what's incredible is this. What's incredible is what happened next in verse 17. It says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And that's just chapter one. We still got three chapters left. But this is some good stuff right here. Like, this is some crazy stuff. If you look at this story, I love this story. I loved it as a kid. I love it today. It's kind of like Hook meets Pirates of the Caribbean all together. It's kind of fun like that. But Jonah experienced all these crazy things because of how he responded to God's call initially. See, how we respond to the call makes a difference. And the truth is Jonah's response was terrible, right? He ran. He disobeyed. He fell into the trap. He was desensitized, and he went through all of this. And again, this is just chapter one. We have three more chapters. I'm going to tell you, Jonah still is a little goofy throughout the three chapters. We're going to learn some cool stuff. But he was known as the reluctant prophet. He wasn't necessarily a hero because he struggled with obedience. And I love the story because the truth is we can relate to that. I think if we're honest ourselves, obedience is a struggle. It's rarely comfortable. It's never easy. And I think too many times we respond like Jonah. We run, we hide, and we do everything we can to get out, whatever it may be. And here's why. When it comes to obedience, when it comes to obedience to God, there's always two things that we can definitely rely on. Number one is this. God will often ask you to do things you don't want to do. Listen, that just feels good to hear, right? right? That's just a great feel-good message right there. Oh, that's super uncomfortable. But the truth is, God will often ask us to do things that we don't want to do. If you look at Jonah, Jonah didn't want to offer a chance for salvation for Nineveh. It wasn't part of his plan. It didn't make sense to Jonah to do that, but it was part of God's plan. Because God's plan is always bigger than ours. God's plan goes beyond just our own lives. And listen, there's some things. There's some things that God will ask us to do that won't feel comfortable. There's some things that God will ask us to do that, that me, we may not want to do because we don't see the benefit of it in the end. Right? We don't see the, the, inst- the instant gratification That's what we live for. We live for immediate gratification, but understand this, God's plan is eternal gratification for us. But we have to trust him. And we have to understand that in the moment, there's some things that we may have to do that we don't want to do to follow him. There's some things that may not make sense in our life, right? And God may not even give us the clarity for those things. And if we push against it, we're going to experience some trouble. If we push against those things, God's going to try to wake us up and we may experience some storms in our life. The obedience is tough. Obedience is tough because God will often ask you to do things you don't want to do. And then the number two fact is you can always find a ride in the opposite direction. Listen, no matter what God calls us to, 
there's something else out there. No matter what direction God wants us to go, there's another direction. And what's crazy, there's always a ride to it. I mean, if you look at Jonah, right? Right there in Joppa. Caught a boat, said, peace, I'm out. I'm going 2,500 miles the opposite way. Listen, in our life, there's always a place where we can jump on a boat and go the opposite way. There's always something that can distract us from the will of God. There's always something that can distract us from the calling that he has for us, right? In your life, there's always going to be a boat going to Tarshish. It could be your job. It could be an unhealthy relationship. It could be a hobby. It could be a kid's hobby. Some people are like, quit talking now, man. You might say something I'm on, right? It could be something. It could be anything that leads us astray from God's will. There's always something that can distract us. There's always something that can take us off course. And that off course is disobedience, right? It's a path that leads to trouble. It's a path that leads to some struggles. It's a path that leads to storms. But let me give you the good news about storms. A storm could be what you actually need. A storm could be what you actually need. God may send a storm to grab your attention. God may send a storm to show you that he still loves you. Again, you remember all the story series that we just came, that we just listened to, real life stories. It was the storm where God showed up the most. It was the storm where God did a miracle and changed the direction. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you're in the middle of a storm. Maybe it seems like things are just falling apart. Listen, I want to encourage you. Maybe it's just God's way of showing you that he loves you, and he's trying to grab your attention, right? I want to encourage you to look at your situation from a different light and understand that your storm may just be a second chance. It may be a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, a 99th chance, whatever it is, wherever you are at, right? Instead of seeing your storm as, as an ending, the truth is it's actually beginning. So instead of asking God, man, where, where are you in the midst of this storm? Ask God if there's a reason why he's placed you there to remind you of who he is. See, for Jonah, his worst nightmare is exactly the response he needed the re- to obey the call and to follow with obedience. And we see Jonah respond a couple ways that lead him to that. And what I want us to do is I want to encourage us right now and give us three action steps to respond to the call. Whether we're at the initial stage of the call, whether in the storm, or whether we're just feeling good with life, right? There's three responses that we can do to continue for us to walk in obedience to God. Number one is this, is to declare who God is. In our lives, there comes a point where we have to declare who God is. We have to declare who God is to us. We have to declare who God really is. In Jonah chapter, in verse 9, it says this. It says, he answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah declared that God was the God of heaven. Jonah declared that God was the God who made the sea. He declared that God was the God who made the land. And he's the God, he's the God who made all these things. And we need to do the same. Right? We need to declare who God is. We need to declare that he's the one calling us. He's the one leading us. He's the one who created us. He's the one who loves us, right? We need to declare that. Listen, God is who he says he is, and he will always do what he's promised us to do. And we need to declare that. We need to declare that he's the light, even in the midst of our struggles, even in the midst of our storms, even in the midst where we feel we're complete darkness. We need to declare that he is the light. 1 John 1, 5 says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. Listen, if you're living in darkness, if you're in a season right now where it feels hopeless, 
You're listening to lies. Instead of listening to those lies, declare who God is. He's the light. And we need to declare his righteousness above our own. Again, Psalms 56 says, And the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for he is a God of justice. Declare who he is. For some of us, this means that we need to make a commitment to him. You know, I'm going to end service like I always do. I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a commitment to follow Christ. And you're going to pull out the connection card and the seat back in front of you. You can check mark that box, right? But maybe, maybe for you, maybe for you to declare who God is, maybe that's the step you need to take. Right? For maybe for you to declare who God is, maybe you need to learn a little bit more about him. Maybe you need to learn a little bit more about his character. It's incredible. We have a Bible. We have the word of God that shows who he truly is. So for you, maybe that means you need to read your Bible more. Maybe that means setting up a reading plan on the, on the app. Maybe that means uh, going through it and reading each chapter each week with us as we go through the book of Jonah. Whatever it is, I want to challenge you to jump in and do that. Right? For you, maybe to, to declare who God is, maybe you need to experience more of God. Challenge you, maybe to, that means you need to make a commitment to, to come to church, not just once every four weeks, but maybe say, hey, I'm going to come for the next five weeks, every week for the next five weeks, so I can experience more of him. And maybe for you, maybe that means you need to, to talk with him. Right? We experience God through talking and listening. What that is, that's called prayer. Maybe for you, you just need to, to step up your prayer life and to carve out some time where you actually have and dedicate to him so you can talk with him. Maybe it's to, to jump in a life group. Listen, life groups are an incredible way to, to connect with others, but it's an incredible way to connect with God as well. There's some incredible things. and It's an incredible way to experience God. And when we experience God, we can declare who he truly is. Right? Maybe for us, it means to model more of who he is. Maybe that means we, we serve and we love others in a better way. Whatever it is, I want to challenge you. Respond by declaring who God is. And then number two, respond by declaring who you are. Declare who you are in Christ. If you look at Jonah, he was asleep. Right? But this, the sailors, the crew, they had to wake him up. And they asked him, who are you? And he had to answer. In verse 9, he said, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. Listen, this one statement is huge. This one statement showed who Jonah was, but more importantly, whose Jonah was. It showed that he was an ancestor of Abraham. It showed that he was part of the lineage of Jacob, of Israel. It showed that he belonged to God and that he was one of God's chosen people and he worshiped the Lord. And we can declare the same thing. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew and the Jewish people, they were God's only chosen people. But because of Jesus, because Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, and was risen again, because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for all of our sins, we can declare the same thing. We can say that we are chosen. We can declare who we are. We are children of God, and we are loved by him. First Peter 2, 9 through 10 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Listen, we need to declare this every single day when we wake up. This is what we need to declare of ourselves. You are a chosen people. You are a holy priesthood. You are a, a holy nation. You are special to God. Let me just stop there. Maybe you walked in here and you just felt worthless. And so I want you to understand, you are special. You are special to God because you are chosen. You are his children. You are a recipient of his mercy. Right? You're so special that God gave his son to bring you out of darkness and into light. But we have to declare. We have to declare who we are in him. We have to declare our commitment to Christ. 
We have to declare Christ as our Savior. And we have to declare our worship to Him. Again, for some of us, it starts with the commitment to, 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 to making Jesus our Lord and Savior. Right? For some of us, for some of us, maybe for us to declare who we are, is we have to quit listening to the lies that Satan tells us. Right? Which means we need to declare the truth found in the Bible. Instead of listening to what people say, instead of listening to what culture says, instead of listening to, to what Facebook says and what we feel when we see somebody else's Facebook post, what if instead we did that, what if we went to the Bible and we found out what God says about us? And what if we declared that? Reject the lies and declare who you are in Christ. And number three is we need to declare responsibility. There comes a point where we have to take ownership. Truth is, there's some things that we've probably done wrong. There's some things that are our fault. You look at Jonah, he got to this point. Again, in verse, in verse 12, it says this. It says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And don't get me wrong here, like Jonah, like I don't want to sugarcoat this and make Jonah like he's a hero. Like, oh, he just owned up to it. No, he's looking for a way out. He's saying, dude, just throw me off. I'm done. I'm calling it quits. I'm jumping off in the water. It's just going to take me. But he did own up to something. Right? And what's amazing about this is that God used this not as a pointing ending, but as a beginning. See, when Jonah owned up to his faults, if Jonah never would have owned up to his faults, God would have never been able to send a giant fish to steer him back to his path. There's something that happens when we declare responsibility. There's something that happens when we take ownership of our part. God shows up to help. I think for too many times, there's times where we come through and say, man, I've got mistakes. And once, once I say something about these mistakes, once I, once I admit, once I confess, it's the end of me. Right? Nobody's ever going to look at me the same. Right? People are going to look at me differently. Nobody's ever going to accept me again. But here's the truth. We just saw it in this story series. I guarantee you, everybody that came up here and shared their story, I can tell you how scared they were the week before. Half of them are backing out on me. Half of them are telling them, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. But we have so much more respect for them now than we ever did before. It's because God shows up when we admit. When we declare responsibility, God shows up. God can take what we see as an ending and make it a beginning, and make it a beginning to something so much better. A beginning to a life of obedience and walking in step with him. So declare your part. And for some of us, that means we need to confess. We just need to own up to certain things. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Maybe for you, there's some things right now that you actually need to take responsibility for. Maybe there's some things that, that you need to confess and own up to. Maybe for some of us, maybe the fact that, maybe for us to de declare, to declare a responsibility, maybe we just need to put some action in place. I think a lot of times we dream, we think up great thoughts, and I'm just going to, this is going to sound so unspiritual, but it's okay, I'll get back, I'll flip it so it's spiritual. But uh, there's sometimes we pray and overpray and pray and overpray and pray and overpray and over-spiritualize so much stuff that we actually never act upon it. And we get nothing done. Understand this, prayer is not an excuse for laziness. And God did not just call us to pray about his will, but also participate in it. Which means that sometimes we need to act. Okay, now I'll get spiritual again. The flip side's true as well, right? There's some times where we need to pray, right? The opposite's true as well. Busyness is not an excuse to not pray. Busyness is not an excuse to dismiss prayer. Planning and processes without prayer 
will always lead to selfish desires. So there's some times where we need to declare responsibility and we need, a part of responsibility is to pray more as well. Listen, whatever it is, I want to challenge you to do it. I want to challenge you to declare responsibility because how we respond to the call makes the difference. And we need to respond by declaring who God is, declaring who you are, and declaring responsibility. As we close, if you would, pull uh, the connection card out in the seat back in front of you. Maybe for you, you're here today, and maybe for you, your step of obedience is just that. It's to make a commitment to follow Christ. It's to declare who he is, and it's to declare who you are in him. So if that's you, and you never made a commitment to follow Christ, or you did, but you walked away, I want to give you the opportunity to make that commitment and to declare who he is. What you can do is you can checkmark that box that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Christ, and to believe that God loved you so much that he gave his son for you and then receive his forgiveness and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe here today, maybe God's asking you to do certain things. Maybe some things that you just need to, uh, to take ownership of. Maybe some things you need to confess. Maybe some things that you need to act upon, or maybe there's some things you need to begin praying about. Listen, whatever it is, I'll challenge you to write that down and then begin living that out as well. Right? Take that step and respond to God in that way. There's also a place on that card where we want to pray with you. So there's a place for prayer requests. Again, these cards are always to, to journey with you, to track with you. If you put your uh, name and your phone number there, we'll send you a text message, let you know that we're praying with you. And we'll, we'll encourage you and we know where you're at. So if you would take this moment to, to fill that card out completely and to get any ties or offerings ready. And Kevin will be up in just a moment to explain the next steps. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.